0: We still have a lot to talk about, but let's kind of finish up on the basics of the food bank. Let's talk about volunteers and volunteer opportunities because you guys are always looking for it. What are you looking for uh, insofar as volunteers also, you know, what would they be doing for you guys?
1: Well, I want to say first, thank you to everyone who's volunteered since Harvey. The response to us needing to up the number of volunteers, we actually added an extra shift every day to process through the influx of food. The response from the community was incredible. So if you've been down to Tarrant Area Food Bank at any point and volunteered, we sincerely thank you. Um, That is one of the the most rewarding volunteer jobs in the community. You can sign up at our website at TAFB.org. Go to the volunteer link. And we utilize volunteers in three-hour shifts to help sort and package the food products that come in. We have no idea day-to-day what's coming off of a truck So you never know. Is it going to be fresh produce? Is it going to be... uh, I was out uh, in the distribution center yesterday, and it was all frozen foods. Mm. And so all frozen proteins. So they had to be sorted and repackaged for distribution. So you have no idea what you're going to do, but you will have an incredible experience that starts from the minute you sign up. You sign up online, and you get your orders for your day and your time. When you come into the food bank... You will register at a a computer station that's set up for you. You sign yourself in, and you go to orientation. And you have a highly qualified food banker that will be there to tell you exactly what to do. Safety is the number one thing we want volunteers to know. Safety for yourself and safety of the food supply. So there's a, a deep dive into what to do and not to do. And then we have two folks that actually work with the food bank, on the floor, so they're right there with the volunteers the entire time. Right now, we run 35 volunteers per shift, uh, three shifts a day. And so there's plenty of food to sort. We're pretty full throughout the month of September because of Hurricane Harvey. But we just tell people, sign up in October, November, December. We're coming into the busiest time uh, where people will be collecting more and more food drives and more and more people will need food over the holidays Uh, And so we want to make sure that we have all of our shifts full, but definitely uh, sign up for that. We can use children that can help sort in the quality control area. Okay. So just check the website for the ages on that. And because it's a great thing to do with your family together. Good family activity, three hours out of your life. Don't have to do anything in advance other than sign up, and we'll do everything for you when you arrive.
0: Are there times during the year that volunteers kind of drop? Is there a time yeah. when we really want to make sure that people know, like, you should show up at this time?
1: Yeah, definitely. The summer months are the slow time for everything in the food bank. It's slow time for food donations coming in because schools are out. A lot of folks are on vacation, so they're not taking up their collections like they might normally do. But it's the busiest time for people who need food because all the kids are out of school. Mm-hmm. And the food bank, um, we did around 90,000 meals this summer just for kids wow. in the summer program. And so that was an, a large number of kids that we served over the summer Um You know, 90,000 kids. I think I said 90,000 meals, but 90,000 kids, you know, that needed food to eat over the summer. And so that goes on during the summer. There's really there's really um, just the really the one slow season. But ultimately, it's all a busy time of year at a food bank.
0: Anita Foster is the Senior Director of Communications and Marketing for the Tarrant Area Food Bank, their website, TAFB.org. We've talked about the basics. Now, I'd like to shift over to what you guys are doing as far as disaster relief uh, for Hurricane Harvey. So, I'm not exactly sure what you guys have been doing. We've been touching on it a little Mm -hmm. bit. But what are you guys doing right now? Because... It seems to me that right now is a critical time for disaster relief because we're kind of over all the dramatic news stories of, of mm. seeing the rain and the flood. But now people are really going to need food. Now our people are going back home and they're starting to rebuild their lives. And but everything's broken down there. Everything's it, messed up. So it's true. what are you guys doing?
1: So I'll kind of take this in three from three perspectives. Feeding America is our partner organization nationally. There's about 200-some-odd food banks that fall underneath Feeding America, and Tarrant Area Food Bank is one of them. So we're the food banks that are impacted by the hurricane. The Houston Food Bank, as you might imagine, took the hardest hit. But our food bank in Corpus Christi, uh, in Beaumont, in San Antonio, Austin, all the way up into the Dallas-Fort Worth area, were all impacted food banks by the storm. So Feeding America will first check in with all of us. What do you need? How can we help? Uh, They can help to turn large donations uh, into products that food banks can use and distribute. There's a a secondary uh, arm called Feeding Texas. Same concept as Feeding America. It just sources food and product and support statewide instead of nationwide. Mm -hmm. And then we are the local food banks. So knowing... And I'll share this with you because we knew it before landfall and it was daunting. The Houston Food Bank is the largest food bank in the country. So they supply the most people with the most food every day Uh in the country. And the food bank shut down because of the storm. Not only that, the streets were flooded. Thankfully, the food bank itself narrowly escaped flooding
0: That was going to be my question I was going to ask if it so physically the the building itself and the contents inside of it those yes. were not damaged during the storm No
1: but I will tell you just trying to imagine a visual on this there were some staff that were left at the food bank to ride out the hurricane and they were distributing food to boats that were able to get by the food bank and load food onto their boats. Wow. And so when you think about that, you know this was not a good situation. Uh, it's not a situation where we normally truck materials, 18-wheelers, bobtail trucks. That's how we get food around every day to large locations and mass numbers of people. But you couldn't get an 18-wheeler in or out. You couldn't get a car in or out. And I was so going to we ask that. We were sourcing food onto, onto, onto rescue boats that could get to the food bank to load food up for people.
0: So for the stuff that you guys were sending down there initially, there Mm -hmm. was a point where there there was just no road left. Uh, So did you you have trucks going down there and just stopping at a certain point and then maybe having somebody pick it up or just using that as a distribution center for those that could get to you?
1: Well, we coordinate through the Feeding Texas and the Feeding America Network to know where available distribution sites are, and then we'll set those up. It was, let's see, landfall was on Friday night into Saturday, Friday night, I believe. And then uh, the food bank actually did not even reopen until Wednesday when it was safe to get employees and to get vehicles moving again. So they're currently still running 2,000 volunteers a day. Our food bank runs 35 volunteers a shift. They're running 2,000. Wow. Um, if that gives you scope of need, and they are operating 24 hours a day right now.
0: And that's just out of Houston. Just
1: out of Houston. But that picture is is continuing in those impacted areas uh, in Corpus Christi. Uh, the, there's been great support from outside food banks uh, to us that have been impacted in one way or the, another. So that's how that happens. There's the, the overarching organization of Feeding America that helps to see the big picture our Texas organization that sees what, what we can help with statewide and which food bank has the capacity to do what. Mm. And then we here in North Texas knew, hey, we've got all the evacuees from this hurricane. And so we need our food here to feed the people that, d- that came this direction uh, north out of the Gulf Coast. And so it's <sighs> been a really, it's, you know, disasters just by their very nature are complex. It's emotionally draining to go through a disaster. Uh, But when you're responsible for feeding people, and the food bank network is often where the food comes from that go to the large mega shelters. We source the American Red Cross, the Salvation Army. We work directly with FEMA and with lots of community partners on top of supplying all of our daily food pantries who have this sudden influx of people they didn't have last week. So we have to keep food moving at exponential rates to make sure that nobody goes hungry during a disaster.
0: This is this is we're we're playing chess here. I really didn't think about a lot of different parameters of, you know, even I I'm thinking we're just shipping food down to Houston, but we we have to keep a lot here because yeah. a lot of people from Houston are coming up here. Exactly. When this starts when these situations start, do you have a plan that you stick to and this is it, this is the game plan or is it constantly in motion?
1: Oh, you know, it's um it's always moving. There is though I think for any emergency response business, and a food bank is no different. You know, the the need is daily. Food banks are in local communities every single day feeding people. But when we need to scale up, we scale up. When we need to scale down, we scale it back down. Being nimble, able to make quick decisions because a dam broke over here or suddenly the hurricane took a, a turn, and now it's coming into a different community or a more urban populated area which means more people need more food we will scale to that need and shift decision making as we need to and i saw that firsthand you know and we talked about this before you know i come from disaster relief so i'm very accustomed to that world of rapid fire decision making mm-hmm. which can all change in 10 minutes you yeah. know just depending on what the next situational update is but i i really was was amazed and impressed at the expertise of the folks in the food bank industry from the top of the organization to the bottom um, in everyone's ability to remain nimble and to remain focused on food to our community and food to visitors. We have to feed everybody.
0: You might not be able to answer this, but how many people do you think that you were coordinating with to make sure that all this stuff was happening at once? You're you're Houston, Corpus, Beaumont, and Everywhere in between, I mean, we're talking about what uh, the bottom quarter of the state of Texas, basically. It was a big so,
1: area. So, <laughs> I mean, are, are you
0: are you just constantly on the phone with people, just making new plans and sending stuff over? How do you stay on top well, of all this? In
1: any um, in any response business that that is your mission is emergency response, there's a very solid chain of command that is mapped out in advance of storms, and this is why, so that you're not crossing lines of communication, mm. because the last thing we want to do is send the wrong products to the wrong town, to the wrong people at the wrong time. We want to get food where it needs to go. So there is a very well-oiled machine operational, uh, not just with the food bank industry, but with emergency services, uh, with the whole enterprise of emergency services, that is a clearly defined chain of command. You know, if X happens, you do Y. And you know what those things are. And it it really did execute itself, the plan, flawlessly. It was really good to see that.
0: Communication in situations like this is, is paramount. It could be one of the most important things that you do. Um, you just got put to the test. How did you feel about the communication network that you guys had set up? Did you feel real confident with it?
1: It was excellent. Um, from the local perspective all the way up to coordinating with Our partners, not just our outside partners like the Red Cross and the Salvation Army, but with our Feeding America partners and knowing that there is a designated person at Feeding America who's reaching out to our government partners. And there's a designated person at Feeding Texas that's looking at food manufacturers in Texas. What do they have? How soon can it get here? And then boiling it down to the grassroots level. Um, Every day our team would meet. Uh, The leaders in disaster and talk through every single day who was doing what, what was coming in, what was going out and what we needed. So not once during the the course of the operation, you know, did I ever feel out of the loop Mm. Um, and being the newest member on the disaster team at the food bank. um, You know, that was really important to know that communication would flow. It's hard in disaster. You know, there's just no getting around it. Disasters are complex, difficult, um, and you have to really stay focused. And it's okay if communication doesn't always go smoothly. The key is for it to go as smoothly as possible.
0: You've got a ton of experience, decades worth of experience. Mm -hmm. In this area specifically, do you feel calm or even comfortable in emergency situations like this? I mean, is this kind of where you feel like you shine and flourish
1: it's interesting because um when you're trained in emergency response for me specifically in disaster relief humanitarian aid you absolutely train in advance and so when you're dropping into an unknown world like i did you know this is my first disaster as a food banker it's not the same as it was with the red cross but your skills are transferable. So those folks, anyone in emergency services will get this. You train, you practice how you're going to play. And we say that all the time. So you train, 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 train for the very worst things that can happen. You know, before before Katrina, we, we used to do drills constantly on what's the worst, where's the worst place in America a hurricane could hit? Say, well, New Orleans, so let's train on that. And so you train for the worst And you always hope for the best. But that is what helps response organizations do their best. The other piece of it, though, is disaster by its very definition is chaos. Things don't go 100 percent. They never will. The expectation that they would is a false one. It is a difficult environment but what you do after the emergency has passed is emergency responders all get together we do a hot wash and we tear the operation apart what, what could we have done better what will we do better next time who did we need to have on in our in our telephone you know under contacts so that we didn't mm-hmm. because you know it's difficult to meet people when you're in crisis you want to know who your players are before you have to take the field and that's what we say we practice like we play so practice is just as important as response, but after the response, we'll tear it apart and we'll criticize ourselves more than anybody else could ever criticize us.
0: Do you like doing that? Yeah, do you like the analysis?
1: Oh, definitely. I think that we always look to get better during Katrina, I just you know looking back at at, at something that was so unexpected in our country, yeah. one of the things I, I learned two lessons I still just give to anybody that will listen about disaster preparedness, I learned from the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Take a photograph of your driver's license and put it in your disaster kit because you may not get out with your handbag or you may not make it out with your wallet and no one knows who you are. You have no identification. So at least if you get your disaster kit with you and you lose everything else, yeah. you know, take you pack that disaster kit in advance, take a photograph of your driver's license, put it in a plastic bag in your disaster kit. And the other piece I learned from Katrina, uh, survivors, is also do the same by taking a picture of your pets. When you get separated from your animals during disaster, and we saw, I know people are like me, you saw those beautiful images of, you know, that little kitty cat being rescued off the barbecue grill down in Houston. You know, a a guy went and got a dog, a scared dog off a porch. And, you know, um, the Team Rubicon volunteers that are down there rescued a pig. I mean, it's just, uh, pets are important to people. And if you get separated uh, the, the animal services organizations will come and get your pets, but if you have a picture of them in your disaster kit, it just makes reuniting with your pet easier, where you're not trying to say, well, he's a black dog and he's got a white spot over one eye. You know, you actually have a photograph yeah. that they can match up with the animals in their care. And that's so critical because these are your people, yeah. um, you know, your 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 ability to identify yourself. And your ability to, to find your pet afterwards were just two things that go with disaster preparedness that were personal lessons uh, that I learned and took with me and still do. Especially
0: Arizona. the photo ID. I never would have thought about that. Me I, either. That makes so me much either. sense.
1: Until I was at, you know, the Dallas Convention Center, Reunion Arena, and thousands upon thousands of people are showing up. And nobody, a lot of people just simply didn't know their driver's license number to be able to to even get it in a system. You know, so at least having the number, no, you know, you've got your street address to verify where you lived. There are a lot of reasons to have it, but I think it was just something I took for granted. I would always have my purse with me, but you don't always have that.
0: I know I would have thought about trying to grab a cell phone or or this or that. I mean, uh, probably a few other things besides my wallet, but yeah. of course.
1: And you just put everything in your disaster kit. Everybody should have one built that has essential supplies: your flashlight. Radio, change of clothes, socks, good shoes, sturdy shoes, things like that. And then you get a Ziploc bag and put your bank records, your prescription medication information, Mm. um, your emergency contact list. So... You know, if you lose your phone, you still have phone numbers because, you know, most people can only call their mother and you can't really call anybody else. Right. You know. Yeah. You you don't. we don't know phone numbers like we used to. So put them on an. I just mine's just archaic on an Excel spreadsheet. Every member of my family, um, social media handles, cell phone numbers. But put all of that with your deed to your house, whatever you want, your important papers and a photograph of your driver's license into your disaster kit.
0: Let's talk about what people in the area can do for those in Houston uh, through the food bank, maybe not through the food bank. What, what can people here in North Texas do to help victims of Harvey? Well,
1: for the, for the food bank industry, we definitely are encouraging people to make financial donations. It actually allows us to magnify your gift. For us at the Tarrant Area Food Bank, a dollar $1 donation will provide five meals because we're able to, to get supplies in bulk. They're shrink wrap, palletized, ready to go, can get out quickly. Uh, we just maximize every dollar, and that's true of all food banks. So wherever you're listening from, you know, find the food bank that serves your area and make a gift there. Because Hurricane Harvey hit the Gulf Coast, but Hurricane Harvey's evacuees hit North Texas.
0: Okay, so the last thing on the list today that we want to talk about is Hunger Action Month. You guys have a lot of stuff happening, and it's all happening very soon. So explain to me what Hunger Action Month is to just kind of start things
1: off. It's our one month every year where we're able to bring the issue of hunger into the limelight. It is invisible. It is shocking, how many people need food? So Hunger Action Month gives us an opportunity to do a lot of fun events with a very serious purpose. Um, On uh, Sunday tonight, actually, we will uh, be in Sundance Square. A lot of folks with Tarrant Area Food Bank will all be wearing orange t-shirts because Sundance Square is going to turn orange. Orange is the symbolic color of hunger. And so the Good folks there in Fort Worth wanted us to be able to have this visual so the community would know uh, they stand behind the the ending of hunger. So all the buildings in Sundance Square are going to turn orange cool. for Hunger Action Month. So that's going to be really great. On Wednesday the 13th, this is so fun. The RAR Brewery uh, is going to host Tarrant Area Food Bank Night there, and so it's ten dollars to get in, but they're going to donate a dollar of every ticket back to the Tarrant Area Food Bank. And if you bring three cans with you, you'll get a dollar off, too. So just bring three canned goods, get a dollar off your ticket, and then we'll receive a dollar back for every ticket. On top of that, um, all of the bartenders that night will give all of their tips to Tarrant Area Food Bank. Excellent. So go try a craft beer there from the RAR Brewery. And then we'll be on hand, all in orange T-shirts again. Um, And we will actually be collecting uh, donations on-site as well as allowing you, uh, we'll have some iPads out, so you can actually do your donation online. Good. If you want to go ahead and get a jump on North Texas Giving Day, which is the following morning, North Texas Giving Day will actually amplify any dollars donated to Tarrant Area Food Bank. So you, if you give $20, we will get more than that. And so that's a really, really cool thing. So come out to the Raw Brewery on the 13th and join us out there. Wear orange or whatever color you like. <laughs> and then... Um, The 14th will be North Texas Giving Day. We're all going to be out in Sundance Square. We're actually going to create our own visual infographic with human beings. We want to demonstrate how one in four children doesn't get enough food to eat. So we will be all in orange T-shirts except for every fourth person will be wearing black. And that will represent that one child that doesn't get enough food to eat. And visually, you'll be able to see... How 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 many people in a crowd are hungry, and it's it's eye opening. So we're going to be doing that at Sundance Square for North Texas Giving Day on September the fourteenth. That's at eight a.m. Early risers, come join us for that. And then on the sixteenth, this is um, really fantastic. The Renaissance Worthington Hotel mm-hmm. is we're, we're having the the most fun night with them at their discovery hour. Starts at five thirty. Their uh, mixologist in their cocktail area is going to create a specialty cocktail specifically uh, in the color orange for Hunger I was say, Action. I it's got to it, be orange, It's got to right? be orange. Um, and our partner, we love, uh, Carolyn Phillips, she is the creator of Alchemy Pops, Gourmet Popsicles. Yeah. And so the specialty cocktail will feature an Alchemy Pop in it. So I have no idea what that's going to be, but be I cannot awesome. figure out how that can go wrong. So <laughs> um, so everyone that comes down, join us in the lobby for the Discovery Hour. Have a specialty cocktail or just make a donation to TAFB. We'll take all the proceeds um, generously donated from the Worthington. And then the chef, which is re- very exciting, is crafting some specialty appetizers for Hunger Action Month that will be available there for purchase with those proceeds also coming back to us for Hunger Action Month. And then we have a lot of other things going on on the website. But the last big one is for cyclists. If you love to cycle or, you know, you're you're like an enthusiast or you just, you know, have the bike with the bell, we have something for everybody. Gear Up to End Hunger is our annual uh, bike ride. Mayor Betsy Price is the leader of our Gear Up to End Hunger bike ride. So there's a 2K ride. It's perfect for your family if you got you know young kids and that sort of thing. Come out do the family fun ride. You can pick either a two mile or a ten mile ride on the family fun. For those that have a little more experience, there's a 30k ride that goes around Fort Worth. And then for the the uh, not so faint at heart is the 100k. Now this is a bike ride that will go from uh, the Water Gardens in downtown Fort Worth up to Texas Motor Speedway, lap around the track and come back down to the water gardens. That is Betsy's challenge. So Mayor Betsy Price is offering anyone who wants to take her up on a challenge to join her. What you have to do is ride in you know, one of the other rides on Saturday, either the, the Family Fund or the 30K, uh, and then you can ride if you uh, you can ride with Betsy in the challenge if you get within 15 percent of her time, and so uh, you'll get a really great jersey, uh, get to ride with the mayor. So we have people signing up for this already. Almost 200 slots already gone, and we're still, you know, a couple of weeks away. So we're really excited for people to come out, sign up, especially if you're a, a bicycle enthusiast, and let other people know. a 100K ride? That's a that's a real bike ride. That's I will a... not be doing that See, one. Well, just, okay, so which one? Are you, so you know. Which one are you going to do? Then? I will be on the bike with the banana seat and the bell <laughs> <laughs> and the basket in front. That'll be me dressed in orange. (laughs) Anita
0: Foster is a Senior Director of Communications and Marketing for the Tech Tarrant Area Food Bank. Their website, tafb.org. One hour of amazingness. Thank you. So this is why you're the best. This is why everybody loves you. There's a lot of stuff to do. So please jump on their website, figure out what you can do for our area, for everybody down in Houston and the surrounding communities down there. There's a lot to do. So please help out tafb.org. It was great seeing you.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you to every single person who's taken action to make sure people have food to eat.